If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. We are the brothers, both DMs and players. I'm the one who's never punched my brother in the face, Jordan. <laughs> and I'm the one who has also never punched my brother in the face, Travis. You all thought that Travis was going to be a face puncher, didn't you? <laughs> and by the way, that's not an invitation. If you ever meet us in person, uh, don't punch us in the face. That's called assault, and you'll get 18 months for that. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh inadvisable <laughs> also i just don't want to be smoked in the face it might be fun maybe it'll just make us on edge all the time and give us a certain zest for life no jordan because <laughs> that's how fight clubs are started <laughs> welcome to the hook and chance podcast disarming your blinding rage with our spoken word whimsy for incredible games all right so let's get started with this episode and before we do we want to thank you for sharing the podcast. I get it now. I get it with the whole like, share, subscribe business because it's cool to see a podcast slowly grow. Uh, we're excited to grow. So every new listener, we feel and we feel deeply and we love the reviews. And we celebrate. Yes, we read them to each other. We do a little dance party in the kitchen. <laughs> it's a good time. It honestly probably in inspires us to do a better episode the next time we record. There is a fundamental problem, though, with reviews, and that's that they pretty much only exist for podcasts on iTunes. So if you're an iTunes user, great, good for you, but that kind of leaves all of us Android users out in the dark as far as where to review podcasts and where to, you know, give the kudos that we want to give to some of our favorite content producers. So to give you a quick list of things that you can do if you do want to support the show... Well, A, you can write a review on iTunes if you have access to that, if you have an iTunes account. Number two, if you're part of any D&D community on, say, Reddit or Instagram or Facebook, give us a little shout out. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks. You can go to our website, hookandchance.com slash reviews and message us there too. And you can also hop on our Discord. You can come and hang out with us and help guide the direction of the show because we get lots of feedback there. Um, if you're a Patreon supporter, then there's also a writer's room where we just kind of hang out whenever we're writing. Because we don't know where it's going. It's kind of like we're driving a van <laughs> down a freeway with... Uh... Blindfolded? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so help. We're going the wrong way. <laughs> Oncoming traffic. Okay. <laughs> so today we're talking about... Barbarians. God damn it. That's how you... That's how you get into it. When you put a little stink on it. <laughs> yeah. Barbarians, and more specifically, their unresolved issues with their showboat younger brothers that caused them issues to be so rage-filled. My barbarian's better than yours. <laughs> and I haven't even made them yet. We have plans to dive deep into every single subclass, but we're going to start with kind of that top level. So today, just barbarians in general. Where does a barbarian come from? Well, the term comes from ancient Greece, and it was originally used to identify those 
that weren't Greek. <laughs> That's Look, it? All the way back then, we were still just othering each other. If you're not Greek, then you're a barbarian. Yes, that is correct. That's what we should take away from this. And so anyone with a different language, different customs, or a different appearance, they just slapped that sticker on them, barbarians, that everyone knew. And apparently... It came from the way that Greeks perceived other languages. Like, it's kind of sounded like gibberish to them, anything that wasn't Greek. So they represented that with a kind of, a, instead of us saying blah, 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 they kind of said oh, bar, cool. bar, bar. Bar, bar, bar. Bar, barbarian. <laughs> Interesting. So today we might name them a blah, blah-rian. blah, blah, <laughs> blah, 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 <laughs> Lot less cool. Yeah. But that's that's the original word, but the actual concept of a barbarian comes more from the term berserker, which we'll get into in the first segment here. And barbarians have changed quite a bit from early periods of D&D. Like, they're a little bit different than they were back first edition all the way up to kind of third. Yeah, so the early editions had a version that was basically a fighter, but he was more agile and had a kind of tribal background. And they spun around different ideas with the rage, originally calling it things like Wild Brawl, introducing a subclass called Berserker, which could go berserk, but not really on purpose. There was a 10% chance that you would. D&D was hmm. hard. <laughs> That's what I take away from. First edition was tough. <laughs> then becoming enraged was a thing that a barbarian subclass called the Ravager could do. So rage wasn't just a staple of the class, and it wasn't something that you could call upon whenever you just wanted to kick ass. You had to roll a dice to find out if you could use your own ability. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> such a bummer. Well, yeah, let's get into it so we can dive a little bit deeper here. In the first segment, we're going to do Archives of the Ancients, where we're going to talk about just some flavor and backstory for barbarians and, and where they came from. Then in segment two, we're going to do the strategy stateroom. We'll talk about reasons to rage and alternatives so you can make them able adventurers and, you know, actually go through a social encounter without punching somebody in the face. <laughs> Controlling that <laughs> anger. And in our final segment, Extra Dimensional Gateway, we're going to talk about some pop culture characters and some different flavors that we can put on our D&D barbarians to really spice them up a little bit. All right, let's get into it. This is the Archives of the Ancients, where knowledge is unearthed to add wild insights to our world. All right, so the classic fantasy barbarian is wonderful and fun and a blast to play. Here's some details for these meat sacks that make them a little more... <laughs> rich <laughs> dive into why they are who they are all right barbarians are angry fighters and that all came from the berserker title from the sagas of legend where are those legends from <laughs> uh, nordic countries iceland <laughs> norway all up in that region from the viking sagas of scandinavia and iceland the berserkers were represented as these animal totem warriors, and in some tellings they would wear the skins of wolves or bears, sometimes believed to even drink the blood of the animals they were trying to become possessed by in battle. They were intimidating, terrifying, I can imagine that, yeah. Like, just, if you can take a moment to imagine somebody that was covered in even a fresh skin, there's, like, still blood on them. Yeah. Like gnarly gnarly as fuck <laughs> and i mean we're probably not just talking they're wearing a bear skin warm coat or cloak 
they're wearing the heads and they're wearing like oh, yeah. <laughs> claws and like they're trying to they got the pieces on them yeah so seeing that across the battlefield is not a good time and then that person comes charging at you with an axe yeah you're just like mm, no I'll lay down and I'll cut my own throat. Thank you very much. I'll run the other way. I don't want none of this. And I'm going to make up stories that make them seem scarier than they actually were. Well, so that I can when you turn tail and you hauled ass off the battlefield and you got back to town, yeah, you had to start telling some tall tales. <laughs> Trust me, they were blowing fire. They, they had laser eyes, all kinds of crazy shit. Embellished a little bit. Yeah, so you didn't seem like the, uh, the weak ass that <laughs> turned tail and run. Speaking of which, one of these sagas did something that maybe was that, maybe was true, but it went something like this. They went without armor. They were as mad as dogs and wolves. They bit their shields, were as strong as bears or oxen. They killed everybody and neither fire nor iron bit them. This is called going berserk. Damn. Yeah. So in a lot of the legends, they would actually, that biting the shield bit, imagine that across the battlefield too. You got a bunch of dudes that are gnawing chunks off their shields. <laughs> what? The shield that is meant to protect you from sword slashes, they are just chewing through it. Yeah, and I really couldn't find much reason behind that. That's like the cartoon outline of teeth that's just missing from the corner of everyone's shield. Yeah, in a cartoon world, it would they be... They just chewed through it like cheese. <laughs> Character idea, fantasy dentist that fixes all these teeth that have chewed through shields. there you go berserker dentists rolls in and makes a butt ton of uh berserker cash do they uh, deal in gold <laughs> i don't think they deal i don't think you want whatever they deal in yeah so then diving into other legends we go to the irish myths where a hero i have no idea how to say this cuclian sure chuchula in somebody's gonna <laughs> despise us and go into a <laughs> just butchered blind that. rage but this this fella was described as having the warp spasm that overtook him it seemed each hair was hammered into his head so sharply they shot upright you would swear a fire speck tipped each hair he squeezed one eye narrower than the eye of a needle he opened the other wider than the mouth of a goblet he bared his jaws to the ear. He peeled back his lips to the eye teeth till his gullet showed. The hero halo rose up from the crown of his head. Holy shit. I felt that. <laughs> That's... Oh, I think the one, the part that gets me the most is he peeled back his lips to the eye teeth till his gullet showed? For, for those of you that can't see us, I'm making that face right now. It's terrifying. <laughs> Spooky. Yeah, so we've got all these states that are described by different storytellers to just try to get across the terror that's coming across the battlefield at you. Yeah, pretty unanimously. It doesn't matter which tale you want. You don't want any of that. So what kind of induced this state? Like, how did they get there? Because I know with the berserkers, there was some wild stories about them, like, doing drugs there and, like, getting themselves into some weird states. Yeah, so certain groups of people that have studied this think that hallucinogenic drugs are the cause of these berserker states. You've got mushrooms that some may have used for raging that, when prepared properly, can cause a state of anxiety or excitement causes they also cause blurry vision nausea and hallucinations so you mix that with just riling yourself up real good and you'll probably wade into a fight yeah um not not only are you terrifying you're also vomiting as you attack 
<laughs> yeah, I would not want. And tripping balls, yelling at giant rabbits and stuff. And you're just like, dude, you're not even here. Half, half the <laughs> you're swings. not even in this battle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most of the swings aren't even at you, but you're. I would still yeah. <laughs> be losing my mind. You duck and cover. There's also the henbane plant that's attributed to this, which again causes hallucinations, causes a lack of feeling in the limbs. So maybe that helps to kind of dodge that damage. That was actually in the early phases of the Conan MMO. I remember one video where a dude, uh, or like a barbarian Sumerian warrior hacked off this other guy's arm and it like partially came off. Oh. And then he just shrugged the rest off and like pulled the rest of his arm off because it was uh. going to slow him down and then kept attacking. That's not how people should. No. <laughs> But that's what I picture when it's like lack of feeling in limbs. Yeah. If you can't feel your hand right now, it's not going to bother you. So keep keep hacking and slashing. <laughs> Dead waste. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Gross. Then, of course, you've got certain beers that were brewed with unhopped herbs. Some of them psychotropic. So you're getting into some more drug stuff in your beer. I drink beer. You want some drug beer? How do I, how do I obtain <laughs> this fun beer? I have a theory. Extra and it's fun. not backed by science, but I'm thinking if you just leave it out in the sun for a while. Science project for next weekend. <laughs> a couple other theories for the state were fight or flight, which is pretty standard. But there was a scientist named Vladimir Zetsorsky who says that humans have two limits. You've got your absolute strength, which is the most your physical human body can endure. But... Your maximal strength, what he called it, is all that you can produce under controlled environments, which is usually about two-thirds of your absolute strength, because mm. your body doesn't want to push itself to its its limit. Like, that's not good for the human body. So. But in that fight-or-flight scenario, once flight has been removed, you've got fight left. Yeah. And if it's very likely that somebody's going to die in that case, your brain pushes your body to that absolute strength. Yeah, and... People that train to fight and weightlift, they can get themselves closer to that limit, you know, with mental control. Interesting. But most of us just can't. And that's yeah. this is where you get stories, too, of people lifting cars off of family members and stuff like that. Yeah. Their mind, they're just getting to that absolute limit because they need to. And also on the flight or fight kind of theme, you also have an animalistic aggression. So we were doing some research into what makes different predatory animals behave in different ways? Where do they get that like really hyper-aggressive predatory instinct from? And so there is a predatory and anti-predatory behavior that biologists uh, basically categorize different predators into and where they get that aggression from. So wolves have a, a certain hunting aggression and they treat combat as life or death, because combat usually means that they're they're hunting a kill, and they have to be really, really aggressive in order to bring down that animal really quickly for the sake of their, their pack and to not die and starve in the yeah, cold tundra. Because they've only got so much energy and they can't go on hunt after hunt without... And you did some research into like how they do that. Yeah, because wolves are cool. <laughs> Wolves are real, real neat. The understatement <laughs> of the year. Wolves are cool. And this is one of those skins that those uh, berserkers would wear. So, so yeah, wolves, they have two basic rules. The first one is they close in on prey until a minimum safe distance is achieved. 
So they just keep kind of warming around them and getting closer and closer without making them panic and run quite yet. And then they move away from other wolves within that safe distance. So that's how they kind of circle around. And I actually found a group of scientists that used just these two rules to run some computer simulations of wolf behavior. And they found that that's all they needed to pretty accurately mimic the hunting patterns of wolves. No way. That was... just, the, just those two rules. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting in and of itself because your your adventuring party can work very similar to that. So your your barbarian character doesn't necessarily have to always be the primary aggressor, but it's the one that draws the most attention as the rest of the party encircles the yeah. prey and is the aggressor. So, and that kind of draws that last little bit home where those certain wolves that are the primary aggressors, those are the ones that kick it into high gear and they're the one that that push the attack first and try to bring down that prey animal. And when, yeah, and they only do that after the wolves wear down their prey. So if you've got any kind of an enemy in D&D that can't attack you without getting close to you, this is perfect. Because, I mean, there's only... You can't hunt a wizard in the same way. <laughs> Watch me. <laughs> but yeah, so your barbarian, rather than taking that run in and start fighting technique, you could take the technique where you're trying to wear them down. You're trying to make them keep moving, use their resources. Maybe you're even trying to stay behind cover so that ranged attacks, they, they use up their ranged attacks without taking that damage because wolves they really don't want to get close to their prey, which are usually bigger creatures with massive kicking boots, otherwise known as hooves, <laughs> that can break their jaw if they run in too quick and the animal isn't tired and weak. Well, and it's really interesting to watch the way that those kind of animals behave because I feel like in a lot of D&D combat, we're all sitting around and we know it's a game. <laughs> we, you know, we've got we've got our list of skills but if you think about it from somebody who's being attacked or is the attacker, very similar to those wolves, like you were saying, a wolf takes a, a hoof to the jaw and it can't eat anymore. Yeah. It's dead. If it takes a hoof to the hind leg and it breaks its leg, it is dead. Like there is no scenario that they get into where it isn't life or death between predator and prey. Yeah. And that's really kind of what you know, when your adventuring party is going up against a hydra or something like that, it's life or death. Like, <laughs> how are you going to treat that? Mm -hmm. To circle back on the predatory versus anti-predatory, I would say it sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but the anti-predatory behavior is actually more like the typical barbarian, is the run in and hack and slash. It's shock and awe, <laughs> because that is actually how uh, honey badgers... Attri get their really, really aggressive behavior attributed. <laughs> their legends. Their legends, yeah. So Honey Badger Don't Give a Shit is essentially from uh, them being prey. So yes, they are aggressors. Yes, they eat a lot of rodents and they do, uh, they'll take down a lot of crazy shit. But ultimately, Honey Badgers are prey to some larger predators. And it's because they are prey to some of those larger predators that their behavior has evolved to be the aggressor. <laughs> so 
So you're saying that Honey Badger's kind of skipped the blend in approach to evolution or the runaway approach. They make a terrible noise when they're about to attack and they just go straight for it. And it's that like, why is this smaller <laughs> thing coming straight at me with no regard for its own life? Holy shit. And it's like swiping and biting and, and clawing and gnashing. And it's that kind of behavior that is that that anti-predatory. They've learned to be super aggressive because they do not want to be prey. But I I think it's pretty cool. You were telling me something earlier that they're they're wild and they're slashing, but they're still super uh, intelligent about their strikes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's not just a, a total blind rage. They're using their abilities really, really intelligently. Tell me, what, what about that nasty thing you told me earlier about what they try and do? Oh, uh, there's a really gnarly video on YouTube of a wolverine taking down an elk uh, or a caribou in a blizzard in the middle of a blizzard it's the most epic fight video i've ever seen <laughs> in the wild but this caribou is thrashing around like it's one creature and eventually it throws the creature off of its head which is the wolverine and then all of a sudden you realize it's two creatures fighting in a snowstorm but what the the tactic is is that the honey badger or the wolverine will go directly for uh, the spine so Ooh. that it can immobilize and paralyze a creature because their jaws are just that powerful that they can do that. Little assholes. <laughs> that they can take down a creature that's 10 times its size God. by going for the vitals. Yeah, it was pretty nuts to see this little honey badger just jumping onto an elk's face again and again. <laughs> so that is your your party's barbarian. So, you know, even in that scenario, you're the anti-predatory behavior. You're going for shock and awe. You want to draw all the attention while the rest of your party does what they do best and supports you. But you can shrug off damage and you can go in and just, just go berserk. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's some cool facts from nature and, <laughs> and history. Uh, let's move on to our next segment the Strategy Stateroom. All right. This is the Strategy Stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. Okay, so remember, before we go into this, there is no wrong, just right, play your barbarian however the hell you want to. You shine on, you crazy... Psycho. <laughs> this is a podcast about finding ways to improve your game, leaning on role-playing. So one of those things that has always kind of, I think, needs to be explained a little bit more. I think it's kind of just a, an easy fallback, um, which, you know, to no fault of anybody's really, it's easy to treat your abilities like they're just big buttons that you press. And I think a lot of people who play Barbarians, myself included, for a long time, yeah, um, just used Rage as a, like, I activate my Rage. It is now tactically time. Yeah. And I shall activate. So what we want to talk about is how to kind of play up Rage. How do you use it in different character scenarios? So, yeah, the, the kind of two directions that you can kind of go and... To say that you can activate it like a button is to say that I have a trigger. So trigger-based, and then I think the other aspect that you can kind of approach rages is, is just kind of like a constant 
bubbling <laughs> bubbling crock pot of anger that overflows sometimes yeah that's right um, yeah <laughs> it's always just kind of there so it's either you know snap state one to state two or it's just kind of always there and sometimes it's in, unleashed in yeah the, yeah heat of battle so let's talk about some kind of example triggers really anything can be a trigger that you can use to get your barbarian there it could be the threat of a certain person a Jekyll Hyde situation. The trigger oh. is more of a... I mean, there's so many characters that have done that. Yeah. But your trigger is something physical or chemical or... Yeah, just kind of... You know, I read a really interesting article a while back around how we have certain triggers too uh, that, that just put us in weird states. You know, an example of road rage would be, well, I get irrationally angry... <laughs> When people don't use their friggin' signals. <laughs> yep. But this article put a lot of clarity into that because what it explained was that the undercurrent of why that makes you irrationally angry is really the, the assault of something that you hold dear. So for me, it's respect and safety. Hmm. I want to know that in this chaos of traffic in the world, that we're all trying to be respectful caring about one another, and being safe. Keeping each other alive. Keeping each other alive while we're driving around these giant machines. <laughs> so when machines. somebody doesn't do something really, really simple as a sign of respect to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a part of this society that we've built, <laughs> it drives me a little nuts. Yeah. So that is something kind of interesting to take to your barbarian to say, what is it that my barbarian holds dear what is the thing that my barbarian mm. loves and cares for the most? And therefore, anything that challenges that yeah. or threatens that is going to be my trigger. It's going to be the one that sets me off. That's great. Even, even if it's just like a concept or a, a philosophy, there's yeah. so many options. So you that, could yeah. have a really condescending bad guy. You know, the big bad evil person that is threatening your party there might be a it might not be them or their machinations it's their demeanor it's their really condescending kind of dickish behavior so when you get that from the big bad evil guy or you get that from say even a shopkeeper it's just like don't do that <laughs> <laughs> and then you especially if your party's getting in on the role play and being like whoa 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 you don't want to <laughs> yeah. set them off can you please not use that kind of tone with our <laughs> our party barbarian because she might slaughter you <laughs> she might go berserk now i do want to play a character that's got uh, road rage in a wagon it's <laughs> just like following slowly with two horses it's just like move 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 your stupid oxen out of the goddamn that's the only my my barbarian only rages when he's driving a cart <laughs> You are not going to be tremendously useful to your party. You could have combat pride, like a specific kind of combat. So when you see somebody using underhanded tricks or mm. vice versa, yeah, yeah, yeah. you see somebody trying to be overly proper. It's like, throw out your proper combat techniques. This I is, fight dirty. Yeah, this is a fight. Yeah. Come on, get into it. Yeah. That's kind of interesting to play as somebody that is very well trained. So you'd almost think they'd be a fighter. But then anytime someone doesn't kind of come at them with their same style, they're just like, what the, what's your deal? <laughs> Throttle you. <laughs> we were trying to have a proper fight and you're just going off the hilt. 
You could also play somebody who entered kind of like a fugue state. They might not even know. Mm. Judge, I don't know why I assaulted that person. My vision went blurry. I had tunnel vision. I saw red and I just smoked him. And I only had 10 drinks. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, I like that concept too. That kind of memory loss after battle. Yeah. You just like wake up with blood on your hands. You're like, what have I done? Not again. I like that point too, because that draws back the legends of werewolves who some people think that that kind of came from the whole berserker mindset too. And that's exactly what a werewolf is. Yeah. They go into a fugue state, they forget everything and it's tied again to the wolves. Like it fits in there pretty darn well. Totally. So I, actually, I actually read about somebody that flavored their barbarian as a straight up werewolf. Very cool. Like they just kind of grow the fur and they've already got the rest. <laughs> Maybe they're already hairy. Who knows? Yeah. And then, of course, you have that that constant rage, which we don't have as many different ideas on like where that kind of constant rage comes from. I think that's pretty self-explanatory because that's the typical idea of barbarians is they're just always on. Yeah. They're always ready to go toe-to-toe. They're always ready to fight. So I'd say just kind of figure out that direction for your character. Does your does your barbarian have some kind of, of trigger and isn't just on-off kind of activation, but maybe sometimes you don't use your rage ability in combat because those situations weren't quite dire or the situations weren't quite right for your barbarian to fly into a blind rage. It kind of forces some role play if you're trying to create that situation, create the trigger rather than just flipping a switch. If your character did always have that constant rage, where would be some of the sources for that behavior to come from? Well, you could do the whole terrible past play. Oh, yeah. Many great cinema characters have had that thing that happened to them, a past that inspired their entire journey i mean yeah so i don't know that's pretty common i would say with D characters is they're always like my whole village was destroyed or or things like that yeah that just fuels just this constant i'm angry yeah. all the time and i want to take it out on anyone that's within five feet <laughs> you've got the other kind of tribal animalistic barbarian style slant where they were just raised by wolves raised in a tribe that worships that you know yeah and and there is, you know, a subclass that we'll dive into that does the animal totem thing and takes lots of abilities from that. Yeah, and that's why it slots into that barbarian so well. Yeah, you just have this this ferocity to you that kind of sinks more into that like, hey, my party is being threatened. And, you know, that goes back to the whole the way the the wolves hunt and things like that is just I'm being threatened, anyone in my party is being threatened. Therefore, I don't really need a reason to go into rage. I don't need a trigger. I just, I'm there. I need to do this now. So rage is activated. You get there pretty quick and easy. Just being angry. (laughs) So kind of taking inspiration from what we've talked about so far, are there any other concepts? Yeah, I think there are other alternatives, you know, separate from like either just always being angry or having a trigger of some kind to launch into rage there's also other ways that you can launch into rage that are completely separate from both of those and your character might ingest a drug to get themselves there yeah you might get possessed by an ancestor and again that's a different subclass but there's there's a lot of depth to go into in the role playing there you can use a different tone of voice different mannerisms a completely different style and and reference your Mm -hmm. party members in a different way yeah Or you could play off of a different emotion and, I mean, fight or flight, 
you could start with the flight and go into kind of an extreme fear mode that only through a little bit of amplification turns into that rage. Yeah. Benefits of taking a completely separate approach, like it's just a, it's something completely removed from your character, but instead it's something that your character does to themselves, is that they can be a normal adventurer. Yeah. Like you can come up with any concept you want. They could be a librarian, but whenever <laughs> they huff the dust that comes out of some old tome they're like whoa i'm enraged <laughs> let's get rowdy <laughs> so yeah you could you could really play any kind of character concept and still be a barbarian with whatever that thing is yeah they're definitely not limited to conan all right so let's get into our final segment the extra dimensional gateway where we're going to take a couple of different stabs at some of these character concepts and how to maybe apply them this is the All right, so let's get into some weirdness and just talk about what, some barbarians we like, some concepts we love. And to do so, we're going to kind of set a baseline for what a barbarian needs. And rage is kind of the crux of the class. We're talking about rage lasting a minute. It's a bonus action. You get advantage to your strength rules. You get plus two damage. You take half damage from most weapons. You can't cast spells and you can't wear heavy armor. So that can stretch so much farther than just being angry. Yeah. Yeah, true enough. Like the at the at its core, a barbarian doesn't have to wear a loincloth or a chainmail bikini. It goes f so much deeper than that because if you do, if you strip away all of the other stuff that makes a barbarian a barbarian and you just look at the the core class competencies, you get basically rage. So the template is what kind of character has a moment where they are able to do more than an average character would in terms of physicality so do you have what, what's some starting points like what who can do that in the real world i prepared three kind of concepts and you prepared three kind of concepts kind of kind of <laughs> loose loose concepts so let's let's go through them who wants to start Travis does. <laughs> okay, I guess I do. <laughs> you, uh, there's only one way I could answer that question. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So my first concept, when I actually sat down and I just looked at the, again, all of that core that is rage, the bonus action, the one minute of, of high octane output and extra strength and less damage and not the presence of mind to cast spells you know who that struck me as just the average drunk in a bar brawl <laughs> they're not calling upon their mental faculties too much no they really aren't <laughs> they're just you know you can't hurt them as much they're kind of numb to all that extra extra damage you can you know bust a chair over one and and all of a sudden you know they're somehow still standing they just keep going and they're running on the moment belligerent angry <laughs> <laughs> you've got you've got a, a a bar brawler so yeah your your barbarian could be literally anybody that has a tendency to just fly off the handle and go a little buck wild and the only bar brawlers that actually ever succeed i feel are the ones that can actually fight outside of being drunk but choose not to yeah it's 
I think it's funny to watch somebody try and brawl when they're not a fighter. It's yeah. like you're just a drunk. You're just you're just windmilling. Calm down. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think that would be kind of a cool character to play. Is just you know that that person that's kind of always half tilt. That in fact, I have played a character that was like that. Yeah. Uh, but mine was a mine was a monk. So my my second this kind of builds on what we discussed a little bit earlier in this episode the kind of fugue state this was essentially jason Bourne. you've got this character that doesn't really understand how they're able to whip themselves into this frenzy but you could play a really diminutive character yeah you know going going back to that librarian totally innocent totally innocent you don't you're not really all that imposing you might have kind of a little bit more heft to your character but all in all very pleasant person but upon one of those triggers that we discussed earlier now all of a sudden your character taps into fighting skills and abilities in just ways that you never really anticipated and whether that comes from you know your background or even a higher power or all kinds of crazy magical D &D sources for that yeah and to to further build on that if you are coming from the mentality that we discussed in another episode in our health episode, uh, our HP episode. If you come from it with that expectation that HP and and attack damage isn't actually damage until your character goes down, then your Jason Bourne-style barbarian could just be really, really adept at dodging and deflecting those blows yeah so yeah the 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 punches are hitting the attacks are happening but you're deflecting their energy and they're you're pushing them in other directions and that sounds a kind of seeps over into monk well kind of stuff but barbarians are pretty high decks like that's their focus too so yeah so you've got this person that is able to just keep fighting and weave through battles and that is actually another one of those those subclasses is the ability to to be super hyper mobile as well yeah uh i would like to play the character that comes into your library and has your code word to activate the sleeper agent or owes me <laughs> late fees you bastard <laughs> don't, uh, <laughs> don't return a book late to that librarian <laughs> and my final one is essentially possession okay so imagine a barbarian that is, again, a fairly normal person, but has that connection to this like spirit realm where they actually get possessed. You could maybe even cross-class a little bit into Warlock to really cement this this character concept. But yeah, this person that just gets literally taken over, you've taken that fugue state one step further in that they're not even inhabiting their own body. They're having an out-of-body experience while a spirit takes over one that is full of anger, full of rage, and really doesn't care about the physical form, hence why they're able to push it to its absolute limits. Mm, Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And there's actually a great film called The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox. Hmm. And the essential bits of the movie were that Michael J. Fox was a quote-unquote ghostbuster but he was actually friends. He could see and talk to spirits, but 
but he was actually friends with the spirits. So they would they would go and haunt a house before him and just terrorize the people that lived in that house. And then he would go and get rid of the ghosts. He's running a scam. Yeah. So your character concept might be that you have this kind of spiritualistic side and you're able to talk to spirits. And when you really need it, you can ask for a spirit to possess you and help you out of this jam, help you and your party mm. uh, survive whatever they're going through. And you could have, yeah, you could do it as your one spirit buddy that does it every time, or you could, it could just be different spirits. It could be random, or it could be your, maybe oh, the, man. the people you've killed. Oh, you've got some chaos there. Yeah. When your your battle tactics, when you're unpredictable to your own party, and your battle tactics change depending on which spirit is inhabiting your body. Yeah, no kidding. That being said, don't be a dick to your party, because if you're unreliable <laughs> there's i i see all these character concepts made where it's like yeah my person is this and whenever the character concept whenever its crux is that the party can't rely on them yeah it's hard to it, that never plays out well yeah. it sounds cool in theory and then you get it and in practice the the rest of the party's just like why are you playing such an asshole can you please not i like a hint of that like in theory it's neat yeah. But when it's, like you said, when it's taken to that extreme, you're really making the rest of your party struggle for why they keep you around. Why not just let you ditch you while you're sleeping or something? Yeah, exactly. Always, always factor that in when you're creating the characters that w wouldn't necessarily be the most fun to travel with. Yeah. Is like, why am I more of a benefit than I am a burden? <laughs> Are mosquitoes going to make you just ax me in the face? <laughs> then I'm probably not going <laughs> to. All right. So what are your concepts? What do you got? Well, I always enjoy characters that have a source of invulnerability. And they're so varied. For example, the Superman, he draws his power from the sun. So if you were to flavor that in a barbarian way, then you've got some part of nature that is literally giving you, like it's filling you up with energy that you can release when you need it or release when... Wow, okay. When your emotions get fired up or something like that. Yeah, so you're building a reserve of energy to deplete when you need to. Yeah. So you do, you that know... barbarian range. Your sun, your moon, plants, just present natural presences. Yeah. <laughs> On the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got individuals like Popeye, who is <laughs> his physical source of invulnerability is a can of spinach. He goes into a rage. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> In, uh, yeah, that works. <laughs> it does. I'm telling you, it does. <laughs> no, it's, you know, in a really funny, weird way, It that's totally accurate. You know, just having that you know, whatever that is, I'm tapping into. It's a physical representation. I think that works well in storytelling. Totally. And I mean, you can do all kinds of different things. You can do a totem, something that you wear, something that reminds you of a part of your past. If you were to lose that totem, you know, as, as part of your role-playing yeah. aspect of your game, if your character were to, were to somehow lose that connection or lose the totem or lose access to a certain element, it couldn't, your character couldn't go into rage. Mm-hmm. Wow. Or, you know, it creates epic moments when you lose it in a battle and maybe a, an ally picks it up and holds it aloft or tosses it to you or something like that. Totally. And then just to show you how weird you can get with this concept, even Neo 
and Trinity from the Matrix have kind of a physical representation of invulnerability, the Matrix. When they go into the Matrix, they're invulnerable. Uh-huh. When they come out, I mean, it's not very linked to Barbarian, but it's just yeah, like you can get that, weird. That with same it. character, that that thread is is present through a lot of different fictional characters. Yeah. To keep rolling with this concept, you could do a family heirloom. You could have a quote that's your source that you say before battle, an ally says before battle, like Shazam. Like Shazam. <laughs> There's another one. Barbarians are everywhere, hiding in the hiding in the movies. A weird idea that came to me. I, I always liked the concept of working other dimensions and planes of existence into my character because D&D deals so much with that. That <laughs> a weird concept, but a character that is physically half in another dimension or maybe there's a copy of them in another plane of existence that you're only taking half the damage because you're only half there. You're sending yourself somewhere else so that your physical body is safe. Your concepts always immediately lose me upon the pitch, and then you slowly bring me back in, and I go, what the hell does this have to... Oh, I see where he's going with this. You could be making a deal with the individuals on another plane. I mean, you could be... Interesting, yeah. yeah. You could be, to, to get yourself into that rage, you could be sending yourself into, you know, hell or the abyss or something and you're surrounded by demons and it's like your your mind is almost there fighting and that's why you seem like you're just furiously swinging and... Imagine another copy of you in, say, the Shadow Fell or something like that who had lost everything and knew that the same enemy was going to come after another copy of itself in another dimension or in another plane of existence, and then decided to team up with that person to use, to say, you know what, my life is forfeit. I have nothing left to live for in my reality, in my side of things. I'm going to, with my abilities, channel myself into you to help you fight harder and better to save the day. That's cool, yeah. I like that. So you're calling upon your alter yourself. Yeah. Your alter self. Yeah, that's that's uh that could be fun. And I think just as a role play opportunity for a lot of these concepts, you could start to fade without your source. The farther you are away from whatever it is that's giving you your strength, you can kind of act out the the fading of your physical essence or you're just you're getting less angry as time goes on until something fires it up again. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And just because he's super freaking cool, a great movie villain. I, in thinking about the Barbarian, I remembered Bill the Butcher from the Gangs of New York. And if you haven't seen that movie, it is so well done. But this villain is such a terrible dude. He's super charismatic, but what I remember him for the most is his just violent outbursts. So, the Barbarian Rage. Yeah. Exactly. You would you would pick Bill the Butcher as a barbarian. I would. I'd put him there. I mean, there could be an argument made for his charisma, putting him in some kind of a bard or, or a class like that. But the barbarian, <laughs> the barbarian, cross class bard and barbarian. <laughs> Our first two uh, class episodes put together. There you go. The scene that stands out for the the most for me is when the main character is practicing to kill Bill the Butcher, practicing throwing a knife. 
so that he can unexpectedly take him out and just end him for good. I know the, the scene you're talking about. And it's in a big crowd of people. Bill is giving a speech. And he's got his signature weapon, like a kind of a long cleaver. Knife. Cleaver, yeah. He's got that next to him. It seems like he's totally not expecting anything. And as the main character whips this knife at him, you're so hopeful that it hits him. But he pulls up his cleaver and just smashes it aside, looks the character right in the eyes, and you can he was just ready for it. Yeah. And that's totally that barbarian danger sense. <laughs> they can see things coming and it's whew. I see. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I was I was a little bit thinking you were going off <laughs> off track, and then all of a sudden you bring it back with the danger sense, and totally the rest of that scene plays out in a very barbarian frenzy kind of way. Yeah, he loses his cool. He holds. He puts the character on a table, and he starts headbutting him repeatedly to uh. the an outrage of the crowd. Damn. S yeah, that such was good. A, such a good scene. Anyways, woo. Had to mention it. Well, I didn't, I don't think that was exactly three character concepts. That was like one <laughs> long run on many character concepts. But uh, yeah, I think objective achieved. Yes, we've done it. <laughs> we've done it. We did another one. High five. Somebody out there, please tell us, listeners, tell us if we've done it because we really don't know. Yeah. And as per usual, we always thank uh, everyone for their interaction who follows us at Hook and Chance on Twitter Facebook, Instagram, Discord, Reddit. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for all of their amazing sound effects that you've heard in this episode. Go use them because they just came out with a brand new custom sound pad, uh, the Hellscape one, and it Ooh. is intense. Tasty. Yeah, and really they, good. I know they've got some angry screams in there. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> barbarian you've got your up. barbarian angry <laughs> rages. Okay, well, thanks for listening, everybody. And play great games. games.